Hooked up? Yes, there, I can hear me. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. I know Travis has been taking you through Luke. So we'll branch out from that. My, uh, my aunt just came by and told me a story I thought was humorous, and I thought I'd share it with you. Uh, my, my cousin Mark, my youngest cousin, he has a daughter just turned 15 so she's um, on the website signing up to take her, uh, to get her permit. So he's sitting in there and he can hear her and she's going, hair color, hair color? Why does I want to know your hair color? I don't know, uh, brown? And the next question is, it goes, uh, um, eye color? I'm not sure what color my eyes are, if they're brown or green. <laughs> well, green. Gets to the next question, it's feet, feet, duh, two, where he responds, you need to change that hair color to blonde. Um, we're going to be in the book of, of Genesis and chapter 4 in the first 12 verses, so uh, we'll read together here. It says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. When the Lord, uh, then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. And you shall be a fugitive and a wonder on the earth. The story of Cain and Abel. Uh, there's a good thing that we can learn from here. And what I want to look at is that there are... Uh, two world views. And, and, of course, we can look around and say, oh, there's lots of world views, and there are, but when we look at the realm from God's, look at everything, there are two world views. There are God-centered world views, and there are self-centered world views. And here we have a great story of two men who came from the same parents. So you're going to think the things that they were taught and learned uh, the things that they observed would be very, very common. And yet they're going to go on different paths. And if anybody here has more than one child, you know that, that children take different paths. Okay? They, it, it, it seems like somewhere along the way, if they're somewhat alike, they decide, you know, oh, he's going to be like that, I'm going to be like this. But they can be born that way. Okay? They can be born very different. I remember uh, I have two daughters. They're very different, very, uh, you know, one's quiet, reserved, and the other one is more uh, spontaneous and, and do those things. Uh, when, when Michael was born, he was a cuddly little baby. Some of you older people ha- held him, you know, he just want to hug on you. Our next child was not. 
Okay, our next child, our daughter, was not a cuddly baby. Becky would cry because she would hold her, and our daughter would just hold up her head and look around, and Becky would cry and go, she doesn't love me. Now, it's just different, okay? So children can be different. They can, uh, can be born different. They can choose to be different. And here we have Cain and Abel. And we'll read here in the first few verses, and it says, Now, uh, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help from the Lord. So we have the, the birth of a child, and it says, Again, she born uh, Abel. Now she has two children, and it says, Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. A lot of time passed right there in verse 2. Okay, we went from birth, now they're grown men. And so these two grown men... It goes on in verse 3. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had great regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So here we have two offerings brought and one offering uh, is looked upon with favor and the other is not. Now, why would God approve of Abel's offering and not Cain's? And we kind of see it in here. If you look in verse 3, it talks about Cain. It says Cain, basically, he brought his offering a fruit of the ground. And then you have Abel's that has a little more description. It says Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And so there's a difference. Well, one was food and the other one was animal. Okay, But... You can see in that scripture the, just a little difference. And the difference is Cain brought food. Abel brought the firstborn or the first choice of what he had. In the book of uh, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, there's a lot of scriptures that would kind of point this out. But this kind of sums up. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And the scripture here and other scripture says to bring your best to the Lord. To, to honor him with the, the best that you have. And so what we see in scripture is Cain didn't do that. He just brought food. It probably looked good and stuff. Okay, But it wasn't his best where Abel's it was. And it says here in the scripture that, that God regarded what Abel brought, and he did not regard what Cain brought. And so the, the word regard means to think of a speci- in a special way. If you were to look up uh, the scripture in the King James or the American Standard Version, it will say that, uh, that God had respect for Abel's offering. He did not have respect for Cain's. But whatever the case, there are some anger here. Okay, And Cain is mad. He has been disrespected. He has been not regarded. He's the older brother here in this relationship. And because God has rejected his offering, he's mad. Now, whenever we are disrespected, that's a great time for us to learn. We we learn about ourselves. You can find out a lot about yourselves when things go bad. And so Cain is going to discover some things about himself or supposed to discover some thing about himself. But the question is, what do we do? What do we do when we're disregarded, when we're not respected? I can remember real specifically, I've told this before, it sticks out so far in my mind of a time that I was disrespected and what I had to learn from it. But uh, in college, 
Uh, I, I played soccer. I played no soccer until I was in college. I grew up here. If there was a soccer ball, we used it for a kickball or we threw at each other, okay, for dodgeball. <laughs> we didn't play any soccer. When I got to college, our, our college was small and they needed players. And so uh, partway through the season, I started as a freshman. And so I lack a lot on talent. But I've, I'm a hard worker. And so I worked real hard. By my junior year, I was a starter. And it doesn't say I had a lot of talent, but, but my coach favored people who put a lot of effort in, and you got every bit of effort that I would have. I had to. I had, had to make up for my, the skills that I didn't have. So anyway, so I have this talent at school. Well, I was recruited by a guy named Randy just to come to college. He was a recruit for our small college. Uh, he was a very likable person. Everybody liked him. Except Randy had kind of two traits that people noticed him. One was after he recruited you for school, he didn't really talk to you very much after that. He kind of bypassed you unless, and this was his other downfall, you played basketball or baseball. If you played those two sports, he would always make a beeline to talk to to them. Hey, how's baseball season going? How's basketball season going? All other sports did not matter to him. And so anyway, I was in the dorm on a Saturday. I could hear Randy recruiting a new family for our college. He's down the hall. And they stopped at a basketball player's room. And so they're down there talking. It says, oh, if your son plays basketball, here's so-and-so. He's one of our star basketball players. And they're down there talking. And I'm in the room, and I can kind of hear the doors open. And I can hear them talking. So when they got done, they says, now, I know your son wants to play soccer. We have a young man here who started as a freshman through his hard work. He has been able to, to move up on the team. His, he, he's looking good. Everybody likes him, and he's going on. And I'm going, they're talking about me. That's me they're talking about. So I'm in the, in the room, and, and I, you know, I'm just getting all built up as he's talking. And so I thought, I'm, you know, before they knock on the door, I'm going to pop out and say hi. So anyway, I pop out the door. They're walking, and I go, hey, Randy. And he goes, oh, hey, Danny. And he just keeps on walking. I actually was in the motion to, to reach and shake his hand, and he just blew right past me. The parents kind of looked at me funny and they went and they went down the hall to my friend Drew, who was also a freshman, started halfway through the year and he was a good player and he was a hustler and he was doing all those things. I've never been so embarrassed in all my life and felt so disrespected. Okay, I, I just felt it to my core. But then I have to stop and analyze where did all that come from? Okay, Randy did not purposely go to do that to me. That all happened because of the view that I had of myself, of my self-centeredness, of, of, of who I was in my own eyes. And so that is what's happening right here with Cain. He's angry. He's angry. And here's the, the, the funny thing about this, okay? God is the one that's disrespected here. He's the one who is not getting the, the sacrifice that he deserves, and we don't see God angry. We just see God, just he, he points it out here. He says, you know, this is why I was disregarded. Work on it, okay? Uh, but Cain, he felt disrespected. God was disrespected. Cain felt disrespected. And so he makes a spectacle out of it. It goes on here and it says uh, toward the end of verse 5, uh, and it says, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. So he is so upset, you can see it on him, okay? I mean, his head's down, hands in the pocket, kicked the can, if there was a can back in those days. You know, he, he's just upset, and everybody can see it. God can see it. So 
it goes on. That after this poor decision, first of all, to have this cheap offering, but now that he's angry. And the one that should be mad is God. And the question is why? Why why should Cain be angry? Well, the answer to that is his self-centeredness. Self-centeredness leads us to put blame on other people. Have you ever noticed that? In, in our lives, we especially see it in other people's lives, but in our lives too. When we're self-centered, when we don't feel like we get what we deserve, we blame others. And it, uh, it, it falls, no matter you know, what you think of yourself, you can have a low opinion of yourself, so you'll want to drag people down to your level. But you can also have a good opinion of yourself, okay, and you're still going to blame other people, okay, because they're trying to get your spot, you know. And so we put other people down. And so the question we should always be asking is, when is the last time we took responsibility? When did we take responsibility? I mean, so often I could go, that's my fault, but you said, okay? When do we ever take full responsibility? Well, in Genesis 4 and 6 and 7, it says, The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why, is your, why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must overrule it. So here we have God giving counsel. God himself. Now, in our realm of our world, we give each other counsel. In fact, Scripture talks about seeking out godly counsel. People who, whose eyes are, are focused on God and in his Scripture and going to them and asking uh, for their advice. And counselors are, are meant to help point out some of the shortcomings that we have. To let us see things that maybe we don't see in ourselves. And on Wednesdays we're, we're studying uh, the life of Moses. And we got to the point where uh, Aaron is assigned to go with Moses to help be his advisor. To help, uh, help him talk through things. And I was asking the kids, you know, what kind of advisors do you have in, in your life? And they're going, our parents and our coaches and our teachers. And, and, and those are all good things. These are, are, are places where we get counsel. But counselors are meant to point out what we can't see ourselves because we don't always know what's right, because it's good to have differing types of people around us, and the final decision is made by the client, not the counselor. So when you go in the council, you're hoping to gain something, a blind spot maybe you don't see. When our son was, was little, it, he always wanted to be right. He always questioned everything. And, and, and that's very annoying uh, when they get to be a, a junior higher. Uh, but also, if you get to a point where you, you need to surrender decisions to them. And so he always wanted to be right. And when we get to decision making, he still won't be right. And I, I still remember specifically uh, a couple different times where we would talk through something. And I would say, uh, okay, we've talked through this. You have A decision and B decision. And in it, a was a good decision, and B was a stupid decision. And we would get done, and I'd go, okay, now what are you going to choose? And I don't know, Dad. Tell me what to do. And I wouldn't tell him what to do, so I'd go, let's talk this through again. And you talk a little bit more, emphasizing A and non-emphasizing B. And we get done, and go, I don't know, Dad. And you just, okay, just make your decision. <laughs> and, 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 you know, either way, he, 
you know, if he makes the right decision, good. If he makes the wrong one, he'll, he'll realize it. Okay, you've, t- you've talked it through. So th- those things are good because we don't always know what's right. And it's also good to have differing people around you, different opinions, people who, who think differently than you. There's nobody that thinks more differently in my household ever than my wife. Okay, that's just the, the way it was made. And my wife knows nothing about building stuff. Okay, I like to build. Okay, I, I, I've moved doors in our houses, added rooms, and changed stuff, added porches, done all these things. And so I will think on it for a long time. And then I'll let my wife know what happens. Great. I've been thinking about this. And I'll go through. I'm thinking of going through here. I'm going to take this doorway. I'm going to move it over here. I'm going to go through. And she's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And I get done. I go, what do you think? And she goes, well, what you described to me makes no sense to me. I trust you. Just do what you think is best. Okay? As long as she gets to pick out the color. And so that's, and so that's what it is. She has not, nothing in there. And so when she did ask questions, they would be dumb questions. Okay, she would ask something and I'd go, that's a stupid question. Okay, Uh, but I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it because I was glad that at least I got, you know, she thought about it. But then every once in a while, she'll have a question or a thing, something that blows my mind. And I'll go, oh, I never thought of that. That's amazing. That will save me time or that will save me money or it's going to cost us a lot of time and a lot of money because it's a really a good idea. Uh, but either way, you know, because we're willing to listen. And so that's when it comes to people who to counsel. We need to listen to them. And ultimately, the final decision is made by the, the client, not the counselor. And that's what we see here in God's decision. God could say, do this. But God paints the picture for him. And so what are the decisions? Well, there's one decision, and it, it, there's a God-centered choice here. He could follow God's advice. In the scripture, it says, if you do well. And it seems to be saying, if you make a good choice right here, okay? You may not so good choices, okay? Sac- not bringing the right sacrifice and being angry over it. But you've got more choices coming. Okay, so if you make a good choice here, that is a God-centered choice. Everything's going to be okay. But then there's the self-centered choice. In other words, if you're going to follow your feelings, if you're going to follow where sin is going, uh, then that's not going to end well. So he's made three choices at this point. The first one we'll come back to at the end. But the second choice was the cheap sacrifice. The third choice was anger. And God seems to be pointing out in the scripture, you're on a path, okay? You've made a choice. You've made a choice. You've made a choice. Now, somewhere here, there is going to be a door you go through. And I'm warning you right now, something bigger than you is waiting at that door. Something is crouching there. Something that is going to grab you and pull you in. Right now, you have a choice. I'm not angry with you now. I just want you to turn and come back to me. In this case, it would be, let's go back. Let's get the best of your fruit. Offer the best. Okay? But if you continue on somewhere, something is going to pull you into a place you don't want to go. You will make a choice that's not you. Now, God has created us. 
And he's, he's created us with different gifts and abilities. And we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the scripture says he even gives us abilities then, things that we didn't even know about, to use for his kingdom. And so God has a, a plan for us. And so as a Christian, we're going to follow who we are and, and work within these abilities to honor God. But sometimes we make choices that are very unlike us. You know, we, we will say sometimes of somebody that makes that choice, we'll go, well, I never saw that coming. I, I never thought they would make that choice. It's out of the character of who they are. And so that is the warning right here, is that you are going to make a decision that is contrary to you. But, as we talked about here in counseling, he gets to make the decision. God does not make it for him. So in verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And so all of a sudden we get to this point that he talks with his brother and he kills him. And my question is, why did Cain take anger out on Abel? So really, at this point in the story, Abel's out of it. Okay, They both gave a sacrifice, but now the story steps over to Cain. And you're talking about Cain and God's relationship. Abel's over here. Okay, Leave Abel out. But for some reason, Cain goes and he speaks to Abel, his younger brother. And then right after he speaks to him, he kills him. And you have to look and go, where did that come from? And it doesn't give us anything about a conversation here. You know? And maybe, maybe the younger brother appeared cocky. Maybe he you know, came and went, I'm so mad because God disregarded my uh, sacrifice. And maybe Abel was just trying to help him out. And he goes, you know, you didn't bring the best stuff. You know, I, I brought the best stuff. I brought my best, you know, animals to it. You didn't. You kind of picked through it and kept back the good stuff for yourself. And so maybe it was what seemed to be, co- that would be true if he said it. That, there's nothing wrong with that if that was said. Uh, but, but maybe that's, but you know, but all, all Cain is hearing is, oh, you're better than me. You make better choices than me, you know. And so maybe that anger got, was there. But the other part is maybe, you know, Cain in his anger, he couldn't direct it toward God, okay? So, you know, obviously if I argue with God, I'm going to lose that one. So he goes and he argues with his brother. He takes his anger out on him. And, you know, isn't that us sometimes? The bad day that we have, we go home and we take it out on uh, our spouse or we take it out on our kids. You know, the, the, the things that had, that had nothing to do with it. They had nothing uh, in that, but they receive our anger. Well, as we read, he killed his brother. And it goes on in verses 9 and 10. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So one of my first questions here is, how could Cain think that he could get away with murder? How did he think he could hide it from God? And I think that answer is kind of wrapped up into everything else that's going on here. First of all, we talked about the path that he's traveling. Okay, nowhere on the path did he see murder as part of it. That that was not going to appear in this picture. But that's where it came to, right? So as he's going down, poor choice, poor choice, poor choice. And God warns him, 
There is something bigger here. You have to be careful. And what he doesn't realize is behind that door that he stepped through was a bigger anger and desire. Something he did not see coming. It's something that he didn't know that he was capable of doing. There was another him over here. And he became that person. And in doing so, he doesn't see that coming. Then he doesn't see making a choice that he would never made a day before or two days before or whenever what it was as this whole thing began. He was pulled away from himself. I think the lesson that we look at here is, is what is our sin that's pulling us away from ourselves? The, the ourselves that God made us to be, what is it that is pulling us away? What is it that we've taken one step, two step away, and maybe we're blaming others for it, or maybe we're, we're sensing it, uh, but we're, we're one step away from the door and something crouches that pulls us through that today we would not make that choice, but tomorrow we do. That's the warning I see in here that, that God gave to Cain and that Cain overlooked. 11 and 12. And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. So Cain's punishment. One is his livelihood was affected. His work was in the garden. He was a farmer, and he produced great things. But now God says, the ground will not produce for you. So now he's going to have to work harder to get less than what he got before. He's going to work hard, but he's always going to look back and go, I never grew those gourds as I did then. The corn I grew never was now. It was as good as it was back then. Now is never as good as it was. And so there's not satisfaction in his life like he had before. He, he, was, he would feel unfulfilled for the rest of his life in the area that he was gifted. But then also in here, his life drastically changed. It says he would become a fugitive. How many people here have seen the, uh, the movie uh, Fugitive with Harrison Ford? You see that? It's a pretty good old movie. Okay. Uh, in the movie, uh, he's a doctor. His wife gets killed. He gets accused of killing his wife. He's found guilty, and he's sent to prison. But he escapes, and he escapes, and his whole job is, is he wants to find out who really killed his wife. But he's a fugitive, so everything has changed. He can go back to the same places he went before, but he can't. He can't do it with people knowing. He's got to do it in secret. He's got to hide. He can't talk to the people that he did before. If he does, it has to be done in secret. Everything about it has changed because he's a fugitive. Life is different. And that is part of the punishment here for Cain, that he's going to be a fugitive. He is going to be a wanderer. He can't go to the same home. He can't do the same things. And my question, I kind of will go, well, why? Why? Well, first of all, the people he knew... Uh, knew him. We have Adam and Eve. At this point, it tells us they had two sons, Cain and Abel, uh, but they also had other children. Uh, they had children, and I know this is kind of weird, and we go, ooh, uh, but they would have married, and they would have had children, and this is the beginning of the world. So everybody was related to Cain. 
Okay, everybody. They were his brother or his sister or his nieces and nephews. Okay, so the family reunions, <laughs> he couldn't go to anymore. Because there goes, well, there's Uncle Cain. He killed Uncle Abel. Or there is Uncle Cain. He killed my dad. See, life would never be the same. All of that would change. And also, I believe, just because of the, of the, now that he can't garden and do the things that he could, that he goes, you know, I grew here last year, but it wasn't growing as good last year, so we're going to move down here. I bet the soil's better down there. And he goes down there and grows, and nope, not as good as it used to be. So we do that a few years. I bet the soil is more fertile over there. And so he's a fugitive. He's always chasing after what used to be. Everything is different, and it always will be. And we won't get into the scripture, but he goes on and he goes, this is horrible. And he'll end up saying, you took the ground away from me. That's my favorite. And you took the conversations that we used to have because he breaks his, his uh, relationship with God. And so he's always going to be chasing that. Oh, where did Cain go wrong? What was the decision that he made that was wrong? In soccer, we uh, developed a phrase that we call it the anatomy of a goal. It started, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And I can remember where it happened on it. And uh, we were playing Sullivan South. We were up by one goal. We had outplayed them the whole game. We should be up by more goals than that, but we're not. And there's 30 seconds left in the game. And we've kicked the ball, and it goes way back in their area. And so for them to score, they've got to go through, and I'm just going to say, they've got to go through seven of our players to get there. But before the ball got to the, the player from Sullivan South, I had it and in my head, in the back of the head, I went, oh no, that was a bad mistake. Because what would happen, as the ball flew, three of our people from the middle of the field all ran to that player. And when it came to her, she just hit it and it went past him. And all of a sudden, three people that could defend that ball are out of the play. Now it's about even. Before we had more defenders than they had players to score. Well, it's in the middle of the field where none of our players are, but Sullivan South is. So one of their players gets the ball and they turn with it. And our next players, our girls, they go, oh no, she's open. Somebody got to get to her. And so two players on the last line of defense run up to her. And they leave a hole behind them. And the ball gets knocked over there. And all of a sudden, we're outnumbered. They go down and they score. With about 15 seconds left. In about 15 seconds, we went from dominating the game and we gave up a tie. And we call that the anatomy of a goal. Because you want to go and say, oh, the goalie missed it. Well, yes, you did. Well, but these defenders, they missed. They were on the wrong side of that defender. And these ones stepped up and those stepped up. And so you can go all the way back and you can look. At that moment, I didn't know that horrible thing was going to happen. Just when it clicked in my head and, and Coach McClay, when we were talking about it, it clicked in his head. When that ball was flying and those defenders went up, then in our heads we went, uh-oh. Okay? Where was the uh-oh minute? What is the anatomy of the sin? What is the anatomy of the self-centeredness right here? So we go back and we go, well, what is the decision, the poor decision? And, of course, the obvious one goes, well, Cain brought... a unfavorable sacrifice, and Abel did not. But that wasn't it. Actually, the choice was made before the sacrifice. The choice was how he viewed God. And he viewed God as worthy of this kind of sacrifice when Abel said God is worthy of 
this kind of sacrifice. Because if he doesn't have give God the best, he can have that for his own. Or maybe in his heart he's going to share it with other people. But God doesn't need it. It was a lower value of God. He demonstrated with the food. The food was the demonstration, but it was already in his heart. He had already devalued God. And so that is the whole issue here. And so the other steps that went on all the way when it gets to murder is just this is if you want to go, what's the anatomy of the murder? Okay? It started with devaluing God in his mind. And it ended up in murder. In a matter of hours or days, it's pretty amazing that you could be going to sacrifice God and then you could murder your brother. But that's where self-centeredness can lead us. So I guess the real question here is, where do we go wrong? Where do we go wrong? We make mistakes. We, make, uh, we go the wrong directions. We say things we don't mean to say. We do things we don't mean to do. Where do we go wrong? And I like to think that the challenge that comes from this scripture here is it's usually further up the chain than where we're looking. Because we're going, oh, I, I, I learned that from my mom or dad. That's why I was harsh with you. I, I, you know, did this because that's what I, you know, hanging with my friends. And so we go and, and go all different directions and we don't stop and look and go, no. Could it be that it's self-centeredness, we're focusing on us and we're not focusing on God? That we've devalued God and because we've devalued God, it's causing us to make choices that we would not normally choose. It's choosing ourselves over God. That's what it is. It's choosing ourselves over God that ultimately leads to us making choices that are very unlike ourselves or unlike how God chose us to be. Self-centeredness will take away the God-giving satisfactions of our lives. God-centeredness will fill and overflow the satisfactions of our life. Let's bow our heads in word of prayer. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to look at in your scripture, look at these two uh, men who were born and raised in the same family, uh, and yet uh, the choices that they made uh, certainly go the wrong direction. And things that we can learn from Cain and things we can learn from Abel, being faithful in the choices that he made. But I ask, Father, that you help us look at our lives and see where we're putting ourselves first, where we're choosing to give you our uh, second, third, fourth hand uh, best in our areas and where we, we fail you in doing the, those things. And also, Father, help us to be aware of ourselves enough that when that is pointed out, when you reveal it to us, that we will make wise choices to get back on track uh, for you, just as Cain was offered that and that we will follow you rather than going down the wrong road. And Father, we know that uh, there's danger down that road. We may not know it or realize it, but there are choices yet that we can still make that as we sit here today, we feel in our hearts we would never make. So help us in those, to see those and to follow you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.